thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope.
the sun where to stand in the morning and who taught the ocean you can only come this far and who showed the moon where to hide till evening whose 
Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ.
See our fathers and our mothers and our children sinking down. Brethren, pray and holy manna will be showered all around. Brethren, there are saints who've wandered who were once near Christ their Lord. But they have denied the Savior and need fellowship restored. Yet the Savior offers mercy if they will repent the wound. Brethren, pray and holy manna will be showered all around. Sisters, will you join and help us, Moses, sister, aid in him? Will you seek the trembling mourners who are struggling hard with sin? Tell them all about the Savior, tell them that he will be found. Pray on sisters and the manna will be showered all around. Let us love our God supremely, let us love each other too. Let us love and pray for sinners till our Lord makes all things new. Then he'll call us home to heaven, at his table we'll sit down. Christ will gird himself and serve us with his manna all around. Then he'll call us home to heaven, at his table we'll sit down. Christ will gird himself and serve us with sweet manna all around. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars Oh, oh.
If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week. Like a picture that's been marred, distorted and defamed, the world can hardly see me. The blame. My name has been misused, given to things I'd never do. But the question remains do you really know me? Do you really know me? For yourself, search for me and you will find that my arms are stretched so wide, full of love for you, my child. I long for you to be with me for all eternity. So the question remains Do you really know me? Do you really know me? Do you really understand how much I love you? And I will do everything I can to show you who I am. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you search with all your heart, like a treasure. Do you really know me? I came from heaven's throne and became a human man. I came to show you God and who I really am. I died for all to see just how much you mean to me. So the question remains Do you really know me? Do you really know me? Do you really understand How much I love you? And I will do everything I will do To show you who I am. 
invite your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. My Savior pardoned me, and now I onward go. I know He'll take me through, though I am weak and poor. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore Just up in glory land we'll live eternally The saints on every hand are shouting victory Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore And I can't feel at home in this world anymore Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door And I can't feel at home in this world anymore The Lord is my shepherd I want for nothing Come on. 
Yeah.
purchased of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my.
We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we're continuing I Saw God's Hand by the late missionary pastor Elwyn Martin. Much of the book is set in Papua New Guinea and is broadcast with the kind permission of Amazing Facts. In our last episode, Pastor Martin had left Haru and four other men in a village on the Tarama River while a canoe was being carved for them so they could visit the many villages located along the river. In the meantime, Pastor Martin returned to the heathen village he had first visited and sent Pastor Coivy and some of the boat's crew to enter the village and tell them about Jesus. They returned with some amazing conversion stories. On returning to his mission station, Pastor Martin inquired whether Haru and his friends had returned from the Tarama River region. He had returned and told a wonderful story we're about to hear. The upper Tarama people, true to their promise, completed the canoe within a week. While they worked on the canoe, Haru and his team preached day by day to the people. As soon as the canoe was completed, Haru handed over the new axe, the knife, file for sharpening the axes, and some fish hooks thrown in for good measure. Then he and his companions began their long trip downstream, spending a day or so in each village, sometimes more. One day, as they rounded a bend in the river, they saw several small canoes half a mile or more ahead. Some of these canoes disappeared into the overhanging undergrowth on the riverbank. Reaching the spot, they found a small opening into another tributary, called the Wamuri River. However, by the time they had found the opening, the canoes were nowhere in sight. All except Haru were in favour of going on, for there was no village in sight. However, Haru said, Did not Pastor Martin tell us we were not to bypass one village? We must find where the canoe people came from. So they travelled up the small river several miles, till at last they came to a village. I should explain that the Tarama villages were not villages in the true sense of the word, for there was only one house called a dubu, which could be one or two hundred yards in length. One I saw was almost four hundred yards long. Inside lived men and women, boys and girls, pigs and dogs, and on the sides of dubu about shoulder high were racks and racks of human skulls, grim reminders of the cannibal feasts. On reaching the village, Haru's band was surprised to find that it appeared deserted. Soon, however, they found that the people were inside enjoying a feast of human flesh. As soon as it could be arranged, Haru gathered the people together in a little clearing where he produced a picture roll and began telling the story of the one who had changed him from a heathen to an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Haro said that he had been speaking only about five minutes through an interpreter when an old man, whom he recognised immediately as a chief, came in and sat among the listeners. 
Almost immediately the chief jumped to his feet and said, Take notice of this, my people. It's true, it's true. Haru continued his story, only to be interrupted intermittently by the chief saying, It's true, it's true. Take notice of it, my people. Haru was impatient and almost exasperated because of the frequent interruptions. When the meeting concluded, Haru walked over to the chief and said, Have you heard this story before? The chief answered, No, never, but I know it's true. Then somebody must have told you this story. No, never. The chief was positive, but he emphasized, It's true, it's true, I know it's true. Almost in desperation, Haru said, Listen, if you know it's true, then how do you know? My name is Dorni. Some weeks ago I was asleep in this big dubu and was awakened to see a man clothed in garments so bright and shining that I could not look upon them. This man said, Dorni, you are to leave your village and go back into the mountains and build yourself a house there. If you do so, I will come again. Doni was so impressed that early the next morning he called his people together and told them what he had seen and heard. He gave orders for the people to go back into the mountains and build him a house. The villagers had never heard of anything so ridiculous and thought he must have become mentally deranged, but they dared not disobey his commands, for when a village chief speaks... His people do not ask the reason why. A few days later, when the house was completed, Dorney was ready to take his wife and three children to the mountains. They objected strongly, but they too eventually obeyed. The very first night that Dorney and his family were in their new home, the visitor came again, clothed in the same white, bright garments which Dorney described as brighter and much whiter than the noonday sun. The visitor said, Dorney, tomorrow you are to leave your house and return to your village. You are to destroy all your pigs, and if you do so, I will come again. To carry out this command required more sacrifice, shall I say more faith, because his pigs were his wealth. Men bought their wives and their land with pigs and could even settle differences with their enemies by exchanging pigs. But as he said, more than anything in the world, I wanted to see that visitor again. Early the next morning, Dorney returned to his village and had all 70 of his pigs destroyed. His people after this thought that surely he was long, long, that is mad, for days they feasted on swine's flesh, but Dorney refused to eat or touch any of it and would not allow his wife and children to eat it. Back in his mountain home, that night the visitor came again, dressed in the same way. This time he said, Dorney, tomorrow you are to go out to your garden and bring in sufficient food. For the next day you are not to go to your garden. You are not to go fishing or hunting in the bush, but remain in your house. If you do that, I will come again. That day at home was the most wonderful day he had ever spent. 
because he felt that he was in the presence of the visitor, even though he could not see him during the daylight. In the darkness after that wonderful day, the visitor said, Dorney, tomorrow you are to go out to your garden and bring in produce sufficient for several days. Place it outside your door, but do not use it. If you do that, I will come again. Dorney said that by this time he was prepared to do anything, for more than anything in the world he wanted to see the visitor again. He could hardly wait for the next visit. Yet he wondered why he should be told to bring the garden produce and not use it, but leave it outside his door. That night, when the produce was outside the door in several bundles, called billums, woven string bags, the visitor came again and said, Dorney, tomorrow morning you are to go outside your house. There you will find a measure by which you are to measure your garden produce. If you do that, I will come again. Sure enough, outside his house the next morning, there was a measure, perhaps a little different from the types we are used to. It was in the form of a pole, about four inches thick and about 14 feet long. Dorney began with his cow-cow, that is his sweet potatoes, and put the first one at the first mark. Then he noticed that there was another mark, so he put one at that, and another and another, up to five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Then another mark appeared right near the end of the pole. It was separated quite a distance from the other nine marks. So he put a cow-cow on that mark too, and then he began from the beginning to do the same thing again. Not only did he measure out his cow-cow like this, but also his pineapples, pawpaws, bananas, and in fact all his produce. There he left it all, not knowing the reason why. That night the visitor came and said, Dorney, the food beside marks one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine is yours. Do what you like with it, but the food alongside mark ten is marked mine. It is to be put in a billum, but otherwise is not to be touched. If you do that, I will come again. In the dead of night, as Dorney was waiting for his visitor to come, all of a sudden the whole area seemed to be lit up. Within moments, the same bright, shining visitor stood in his doorway. Dorney said he always had to cover his eyes with his hands because of the dazzling brightness. This time, the visitor said, Dorney, tomorrow afternoon you and your family are to gather up all your food, and mine too, and return to your village. When you arrive, my ambassador will be there. Give him the food that is mine, and listen very carefully to every word that he says, because you will know it's true. It's true. It was then that Dorney handed Haru the billum of food. Dorney, in telling Haru the story, said, That's why I kept on telling my people, It's true. It's true. I know it's true. I set sail almost immediately for the Tarama area with Haru and his wife and family. Haru wanted to return to be with his people. I hadn't planned for this trip, 
but felt that since I had heard Haru's story, it must take priority. We found our way up the Tarama and then up the Wamuri. The Wamuri was slow going, for we had to cut away overhanging trees and limbs every few yards. Sometimes whole trees had fallen right across the stream. My worry was whether we would be able to turn the boat around when we got there, because although the river was deep, we had only a few feet to spare. Haru assured me that there was a place near the village where we would be able to turn around. Haru's word was sufficient assurance for me. To be continued. Tune in again next week for the next episode of I Saw God's Hand, written by Elwyn Martin and read by Alan Lindsay. tip lady who loves to give tips to help make your life more simple. Can you imagine a pharmacy that looks like a beautiful roadside stall filled with fresh produce from the nearby garden? Crisp crunchy greens, snap peas, golden pumpkins and carrots, tasty tomatoes, freshly picked beans, garlic onions, delicious pawpaws, pomegranates and pineapples, red cheeked apples, juicy pears and ripe bananas. This is a pharmacy remember? I could go on and on. Remember, this is my pretend pharmacy. Now, if Hippocrates woke up, do you think he'd be surprised to find a pharmacy like this? Who was Hippocrates anyway? Well, he's known as the renowned father of medicine. He's often quoted as saying, Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. Perhaps he wouldn't be surprised at my imaginary pharmacy at all. Perhaps it was the norm for him. I imagine this probably closely resembles the pharmacy he probably did have in mind. When he said, Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. Well, so, what's so great about a pharmacy like this? Well, of course, there's a huge benefit in eating the food. But there are huge benefits to be gained by growing the food too. Let's think about some. Exercise. Fresh air, sunshine, water, the joy of seeing plants grow and then the delight in preparing delicious meals with them and then eating them and sharing them. This really is just the best medicine, medicine that the majority of city dwellers cannot access and probably even imagine. Living in the country is like living like a king and a queen. That Greek physician had his head on straight because another often repeated phrase of his is this, make a habit of two things, to help, or at least, to do no harm. So, here are our two tips for today, our prescription written by Hippocrates himself, just for us. Two tips that can become habits. One, here it is, grow, prepare and eat fresh food. And two, help others. No need for warnings on the label of these medicines. The only side effects will be increased health and happiness. I'll take that kind of medicine, thanks. You too? 
That's it today from the two-tip lady who loves to help make your life more simple.